There's a peace that's obtained only by knowing Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is not that you, if you know the information and details about his life, if you know about his ministry, his death and his resurrection, then you have peace. That's not the truth at all. What I mean is if you have a relationship with him, if you came into a relationship with him and understood that Jesus died on the cross for you and for your sins, that if you'll accept the gift of his salvation by confessing your sins and forsaking them, and then turning your life over to him and allowing his Holy Spirit to indwell you, then you have a relationship with him and you have found that peace. As we've discussed over the last few weeks, life is one big continual spiritual battle. The battle is not before us in what we can see and understand. It's within us. For the evil one, Satan, desires to pull us away from truth. We've got to understand how that spiritual battle works. Often it will manifest itself in in some physical realm, but primarily it's within our hearts and the decisions that we make. It's in terms of violence and persecution sometimes when Satan throws up a wall to stop you from doing what you know is best according to God's Word. The reality is we've got to understand the full armor of God is there to protect us, to defend us, and to keep us safe as we choose to serve Him. We do not fight this fight defenseless. We must put on that full armor, and we must stand, and God will fight for us. We don't have to lift a sword. We just have to speak truth and stand by that. Stand firm, as Scripture says. Standing firm is so important because as we move into this third piece of armor, we understand the power that we have there. And that third piece of armor is covering our feet with the gospel of peace. In his oral history of World War II, the Good War, as he called it, author and historian Studs Terkel related an experience of a young man, David Milton. He was 18 years old, and he was a merchant seaman. He was on a vessel that was traveling, and it had on board a large cache of Sherman tanks. In the midst of the storm and the sadness of it in the middle of the Atlantic, some of these tanks broke loose and began to move about, and it caused the folks on the ship to be terrified. They didn't know what to do. They weren't worried about what was outside of the ship, what was going under the ship and around the ship, because they'd already been, basically, they understood the fear of what could happen with the German U-boats and what could happen with German submarines under them. They were terrified of what was going on within the ship. These tanks were loose, and it required one person to go down and to deal with that, and none other than 18-year-old David Milton went down there. As he traveled down there, he said what he did was, he said, I'd never seen anything quite like this. There were about four of the tanks that had not been strapped well with chains, and they were moving about, and he said, I had to say to begin with, what can I do to fix this problem? And he realized he had to get down there with the tanks, find the chains, reattach them while the tanks were still moving about, and do all this without getting killed. He said he did it one way. He prayed feverishly, and he looked sincerely. 
And he said, I made sure that as I walked about, nothing grabbed my feet and held me down because I did not want to get crushed. He said this when he was talking with someone after it was over with as Studs Terkel was writing the oral history of that experience. He said this. He said, I was riding on these tanks like I was a cowboy, trying to hook cables through. Finally, we got the tanks lashed down, and when they started to move no more, while the ship was still moving, I knew that I was safe. The reality is, his danger in the ship came from within, not the storm without. And sometimes in our life, that's the way the danger is. It's not what's going on around us or the fear of a disturbance coming at us from there. It's what's going on within us, that disturbance that concerns us. We can only handle the stresses outside when we've secured the problems inside. And that's the importance of having the gospel of peace. Looking at this, let me put it this way. Simply put, in a world that is opposed to everything we stand for as Christians, how are we supposed to fight this battle that we are waging and that is going on within us? Now, some people do it by simply staying calm and collected and just seeming like everything's okay. If you're a teacher with a small class and something bad happens in the class, if somebody looks and the snake is out of the terrarium, please don't ever let that happen, Terry. If they get out, the teacher is supposed to first establish a calm environment, move the children away from that, and then secure the snake. Boy, that third one's rough. But the reality is sometimes there's a time for us to be calm on the outside while there's a storm inside. It's not that you're overlooking the danger that's there, but you're very aware of it, but you're making sure that you don't create more of a problem than you need at that time. We need to understand that the whole armor of God prepares us for that. You know, during this time, we're looking at the image of Roman soldiers. Roman soldiers always wore the same shoes and you could hear them walking everywhere their shoes were made to protect their feet because without their feet they were useless some people say that an army travels on its stomach but the reality is before it ever travels on its stomach eating it travels on its feet walking if you go in into basic training one of the first most important things they do after they give you all those shots and you go through all the medical exams is they fit you for a pair of boots. And you will wear those boots all through basic training. Those boots, if they're ill-fitting, will destroy your feet and destroy your potential of being a soldier. Those boots matter. And in the same way, what we are wearing as a Christian in this battle matters. These are the footwear of peace, meaning that where we go, we don't create calamity and disaster. We don't create division and discord. We bring peace when we arrive. I don't have to confess to you that I love deacons. I do a lot of work with deacons, have all my life. My dad was a deacon in the church that I grew up in. I believe that the office of deacon along with the office of pastor-teacher, which I hold, are the two powerful offices within the church. Deacons were created 
if you'll read back in the book of Acts, to do one thing. To cease a disturbance and create peace where there was a disagreement. And I can stand here and tell you today, after 12 and a half years in this church, that the deacons of First Baptist Church of Selma are peacemakers. Amen? They believe in that. They come together and pray. They seek to bring people together and restore, not to destroy. And that is so important. And we must understand the role of that in our own lives as Christians. We're to take up the whole armor of God, not just a part of it. And when we are shod with the proper footwear of peace, God will make a difference in the work that we do. The evil day is upon us. We know that. We know where we live. We understand the brokenness in our world. I told you a long time ago, I quit listening to the news. There's a reason. I think the news from heaven is more important than the news from Washington or from New York. I think the news that God gives us puts us at peace. The news of the world creates controversy and disaster. This is important as we gird on these garments and, and get ready to go out and fight. The breastplate of righteousness, as I said, is put on one time. And that's put on when we accept the gift of salvation. And we put that breastplate of righteousness on, not our righteousness, but His righteousness. And then we prepare to go out and do battle. And we understand that putting on these shoes of peace matter. Jesus is truth. Wherever we go, we can speak his word, and that truth will change the people that we encounter. The gospel of peace is what we're to bring. Isaiah 52, 7 talks about this, and, and it uses the word preparation here. And it's so important to understand that. And in Romans 10, 15, Paul quotes this verse also, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and good tidings. That is so important for us to do that. Bring words of encouragement to those that we encounter. Peace has to be the foundation of what we do. It has to be the context in which we stand. We should have already prepared for that battle when we get up in the morning. Our peace should come as we are at peace with our Lord. There's, there's several kinds of peace you can have. You can have Peace with God, which you have in your relationship with Him. But also there's a peace of God that goes with you as you go out into this world. I'll remind you that Paul was chained to a Roman soldier as he writes this. He knew how the soldier dressed. In the Latin, the word collega was the, the shoes that they wore as a soldier. They were very different than everybody else's. They were made of thick hide, about two inches thick. They had hobnails nailed in, studded from the bottom into them. You literally could hear them almost, I don't know, Jeff, do, do the young folks here remember what clogging is? Or is that so ancient that people forgot? Some of y'all remember what cloggers were. Remember, cloggers are the ones that were almost like tap dancers, only everywhere they moved you could hear the noise that their, the bottom of their soles made as they walked. This was how Roman soldiers were. In fact, they said that Roman soldiers could never sneak up on anybody because the Roman roads literally were paved with stone. And you could hear a regiment of soldiers walking towards you. There was a very distinct sound of them coming towards you. Paul understood this, and he realized the reason they wore these shoes. It wasn't to make noise. 
It was to give them a firm grip as they were walking. They carried 110-pound packs on their back. Sometimes fully loaded for battle, they'd have 150 pounds with them. They were very noisy. But the purpose of the nails were to give them a sure-footed grasp on what they were doing, to stay sure and steady so that they'd never fall down. Paul is using this, and the point of all this is that the peace of God helps you to stand in the storms of life. You're not going to be distracted. You're not going to be weakened, for if a soldier were to fall down, he could be destroyed. Let me read this in the Revised English Bible. It says, Let the shoes on your feet be the gospel of peace to give you a firm footing. Or as in the Amplified Bible, some of you have that in hand, uh, puts it this way, it says, And having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. That peace is what you carry with you as you travel. That peace is what can come into a room of controversy and diversity and bring calm into that room. It is said very often by cynics that everybody carries two buckets with them into a situation. They carry in a controversy a bucket of gas or a bucket of sand. And you decide what you put on the fire of controversy that's going on. There's only one thing you can carry with you as a Christian. That is the gospel of peace. Let's look a little closer at this. Preparation of the gospel of peace, a major emphasis in the whole book of Ephesians is peace. That's what the whole book is talking about. You know, it says that, that Jesus came to preach peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. I don't care how bad the calamity is in your life. Peace is what you bring to people's lives. Satan loves controversy. He can divide you in controversy. He loves to create a storm, a firestorm, because as he does that, he distracts you from what's going on, and you lose focus, and you lose your position in life. You may even lose your reputation and your good name. Satan loves to do that. He loves to distract. He came to do three things, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that's never changed. Therefore, we've got to understand the importance of peacemakers in the world. Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. First thing that he shared with them were what we call the Beatitudes. The attitudes that we should have. And he said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, this world has a weird way of making peace. And it all changed back in, in, in the middle part of, of the last century. There's a Hegelian thought of how to solve problems. It's been around forever. Friedrich Hegel came up with this. It goes something like this. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Now... I could take two hours to describe this, but Gerald Anderson will walk out on me because he didn't come to hear all that. Amen? He wants to hear pithy to the point gospel, and that's what this is. 
Thesis, which is what you believe, antithesis is the opposite of what you believe, and synthesis is somewhere in the middle. That is not what we believe or how we solve problems. Never. The Christian goes to one source, God's Word, and that's where we find our truth. We don't compromise in any way except we make sure that we love people implicitly in all that we do. It has to be implied in all that we do that we love people. There's a way to apply God's hard truth to the lives of those around you with love and peace. Never use the Bible to attack people. Remember, and I always love this, Vance Havner said, Jesus didn't come to rub it in but to rub it out. And that's true. We've got to understand that his word is to help people be forgiven and restored, not destroyed. You don't have to tell people that they're sinners. People know that. You need to tell them how to be saved. And the reality is when we make a decision, we don't make it based on, on our opinion, somebody else's opinion, and then find a common ground in between. No, not at all. We don't compromise what we believe. But the peace of God can bring the truth of God to change the life of somebody and bring them into the family of God. That's how we're to function with them. Now let me read this passage to you, if I may. Matthew 10, 34, and 36, because invariably some of you are thinking about this right now. It says, Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the world. I didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. For I am, this is Jesus' words, I am to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Now, how does that communicate peace? Let me explain. He is discussing in this passage standing for the truth and not compromising it when Satan tries to pull you away. There are people in the world that you're going to share your faith with, and they're not going to accept that faith. In fact, not only are they not going to accept what you're saying, they're going to be antagonistic because it's going to run against everything they believe. And they're going to become very offended. And they're, they're going to attack you. In fact, what he is talking about here happened in the first century. And as Christianity moved through the world, people became more palatable of it, more tolerant of it, more understanding of it. But now we've changed in the world that we're in, and we've moved back to that first century. And people are not tolerant of Christianity. They see Christianity as something evil and bad. And they'll attack you. And understand that that's going to happen. And when people attack you, don't be surprised, but do this. Love them and pray for them. Create an aura of peace about you. Don't be drawn into their fight and their disagreement. I would love to report to you that, that we're standing in a room that's full of Christians. But according to God, it's not true. We don't have detectors on the door like they have with the TSA as you go into the airport that will tell if somebody has metal on them. Well, there's no detector to tell whether or not you're really a Christian when you come into this building. We don't know that. There are people that do good imitations of Christianity. They smile and they're sweet and they're kind and they're polite and they bring the biggest Bible they can so everybody can see it. They learn to pray just the right way and do all that, but they're not a part of the family of God. 
because they skipped over that most important part of coming into a relationship with Jesus. And because of that, because of that, in the church, we have to understand that not everybody's a Christian. And there will be times when, when things will happen and lead us into disarray and disappointment. That's why Christians who are peacemakers must be peacemakers. We're here to quell the disagreements. I've always said that a pastor and deacons should be like a fireman. When a building catches fire and everybody's running out, they run in because they're there to stop the fire. They put themselves in danger, firemen do, to stop a fire, to save life and to save property. And in the same way, the Christians who understand wearing the footwear of peace will run to bring peace in the midst of a storm. They don't run from a storm. They know what a storm is, but they're willing to stand. That's so important. You know, it's unusual that the, the, the name for pastor, teacher, in Scripture, the, the Greek name, is poime. just means shepherd. Just like the, the fellow with the, the crook stick that wore the sandals and the robe that sat out there and watched sheep all day and all night constantly. Poima, which is just different by one word, is the word for flock or for, for the sheep. Very close together. We are very close together. A pastor comes out of the flock, a shepherd. I'm not perfect. And if I remember correctly, when I first came to talk to the committee, they never asked me if I, I was perfect. They asked you that, Jeff, when, when they interviewed you? Yeah. Now, they should have asked your wife that, right? They didn't, they didn't ask me that because they understood that, that I at one time was a church member for years. Until I was 27 years old, I was a church member. I was a deacon in my home church. I loved serving there, taught Sunday school for years. But God called me to shepherd. That did not mean that I was a better than the church or above the church. I'm with the church. A shepherd's no good that goes 10 miles away from his sheep. The shepherd loves the sheep. The shepherd will die for the sheep. And you see, it's so important to understand that reason for peace. Because one of the images of peace that's often painted that you'll see, and I've got the painting in my living room, it's of a sheepdog laying with the sheep. And it's, a, as they call it, a pastoral scene. One of peace and calmness. That's the image that we're to have as a church. The peace. And God wants us to allow that peace to reign in our lives. Now, we're in a world that, that's not at peace. And they don't understand that peace, nor will they embrace that peace. But you're to bring that peace to them. In a few minutes, we're going to dismiss Gerald, you'll get to leave on time. And here's the important thing. Will you take that peace with you as you leave this place? Because the peace with God that gives you the peace of God will give you the opportunity of offering that peace to a world 
that's in calamity and disaster. And people are looking at that peace. Don't look at the world and say, here's what's broken and here's how bad it's, it is. No, say, let me tell you why I have hope. My hope is not in this world. My hope is otherworldly. It's in Jesus Christ. And I pray that will be your desire even today. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that your holy word imparts to us power. Power that changes us. And as we change, and we change our focus in life, we gain that peace that only you can give. And in that peace, we go forth to a world that's looking for something that will change them. Now, Father, I ask that you would speak to someone this morning, someone that's struggling in life. Possibly their life has no peace, and they need that. Lord, speak to them now, even now, and give them the peace that passeth all understanding in this time of hope. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here seeking to join this church or to be baptized or come forward and just simply pray that they would feel the freedom of the Almighty to do that even now as we get, begin the first notes of this invitation hymn. May the Spirit give you freedom to make that move. And we thank you for the power that you give to us. For it's in your holy name we pray, Lord. Amen.